Please sit down. So, this year, in our summer school of prayer, we're having a look at a rather more uh, taxing kind of prayer, waiting prayer. In our generation, it's difficult to imagine that prayer could involve waiting. We're accustomed to asking for something and having it straight away. But uh, hard though we might find it to, uh, uh, to deal with uh, prayer and waiting, waiting in prayer, I guess we shouldn't be too surprised because Jesus' own prayer life grew out of a thousand years of waiting and longing for the Messiah to come. And since then, the church has been waiting and longing for another two millennia for Jesus himself to return and to make all things new. Last week, you'll remember, we explored the wilderness, a grim place in which we find ourselves unexpectedly, but a place that Jesus knows well and which he can lead us through. This week, we're looking at another biblical image which takes our thinking on a little further. There's a little apple orchard outside my parents' cottage, if three trees can be said to make an orchard. They're traditional, flavoursome English apples. We always enjoyed eating them, although there were a lot that went to waste. Then a few years ago, my father stumbled across a local cider press, which arranged to take all the apples to crush them, bottle them and pasteurize them. And so we had delicious apple juice all through the year. I've been trying to follow his example. I planted two apple trees outside my house. Uh, this year I've had four apples and my daughter knocked one of them off two days ago. So I've got three left. I'm not entirely sure I'm going to make a bottle of apple juice this year. Well, there are no cider presses in the Bible, but there are grape and olive presses. There's an olive press in Capernaum, which we visited, olives crushed to make olive oil, which had many uses in Jesus' day, and wine presses to make wine. This is a huge wine press. coming up in a moment. So you take a bunch of grapes, you put it in a, a bowl or a pit, and then you squash them. Now, with just a, just a, a small um, bunch like this, that may not take me very long. But when you have a whole vineyard's produce in the pit, you can see that in biblical days, that would take a huge amount of labor. Uh, people standing on top of the grapes, uh, squashing them, uh, with their feet, uh, uh, hard, unremitting labor as they tread the juice out of the grapes. But out of that exhausting toil comes something sweet and delicious. I don't have any uh, Israeli wine here, sadly, but here's a very nice bottle of uh, Australian Shiraz.
Christians quickly made the connection with Jesus, of course, whose suffering poured out the sweetness of God's loving kindness on him, on, on us. Jesus himself didn't make the connection between his suffering and the wine press, but he does talk about the blood that he would shed for his disciples using the powerful image of the cup of wine. His wine, his blood, poured out for us. After taking the cup, Jesus gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink of it again from the fruit of the vine, until the kingdom of God comes. This cup is the new promise of relationship with God sealed in my blood, which is poured out for you. From his suffering and labor has come the sweetness of renewed relationship with God. It's Paul who makes the connection between uh, the suffering and the wine press. In the passage that we heard, Paul uses a Greek word, thlipsis, you don't need to remember that, for persistent affliction, which actually means to press or to squash. Thlipsis. The word has resonances with slavery and duress. I wonder if any of us can identify with that. Are there times when you have felt yourself to be under pressure, squashed, or crushed, a slave to your circumstances or to others? Do you feel trapped? Are you caring for someone who may never get any better, a parent or a child? Are you struggling to help them through the day to make their life better? Do you come back from work anxious as to whether you've made the right diagnosis, the right intervention? If that's how it is for you, says Paul, if, like Jesus, you are enduring sufferings, afflictions, ongoing for the sake of others, then you are drawing closer to Jesus in his suffering. Paul understood this. He routinely experienced beatings and stonings, trials, physical hardships, jeers and sneers, and on top of all of that, his constant anxiety for his newly planted churches. And he accepted all of these sufferings without complaint so that he could have the privilege of sharing the good news of Jesus with those who hadn't yet heard it. But as he endured these afflictions, this squashing, this pressure, he realized that he was being pressed closer to Jesus, sharing in Jesus' sufferings, and as that happened, Paul could see that the fullness of Jesus' sufferings was overflowing into him. Jesus' sufferings were filling him with their richness. And what that meant was that the grace of Jesus could be squeezed out of him and overflow into the lives of others. 
Think of a fountain at the top of a mountainside, uh, a spring bursting out from underground and, and falling into a natural rock bowl. And then as it overflows, tumbling down the mountainside into one pool after another. Or think of the cistern at the top of your house, the, uh, the hot water tank, which when you turn the tap, fills your bath and then overflows to fill... Oh no, that's perhaps not quite such a good image. What Paul had understood was that this overflow of blessing particularly happens when we're under pressure. So here I have a different kind of fruit. Here is a delicious, juicy orange. All of this juice, this sweetness, is locked up inside this orange. It's, it's kept in all the different little capsules of the orange. Ah. But if I apply pressure, the juice comes out. And what we then have is an overflow of something sweet, which blesses me. <laughs> What's more, if we don't get resentful or bitter about the pressure that, that we're under, what Paul understood was that this juice became even sweeter as it was pressed. Not just the juice that was in there, it became more, it became sweeter. So Paul is not asking us to endure suffering to show how tough we are, like a Marine or someone in the SAS. In fact, Paul is concentrating on his weakness and how much that forces him into dependence on Christ. It's Christ's strength, not our endurance, which produces the sweet juice out of the wine press. What we have to do is to trust Jesus so that the wine, the juice, doesn't go sour. We'll then find, with St. Paul, that Christ gets very close to us and we'll know the comfort of his presence strengthening us. Here is St. Paul in verse 8 of the passage we heard. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril in the past and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. So can you concentrate as you find yourself in the wine press on Jesus' suffering and on the way that this struggle, this suffering draws you closer to him and enables you to depend on how you find him faithful in the past and the hope that he will be 
faithful again in the future. More than that, Paul says, we'll find his comfort is flowing out of us, over into the lives of others. Remember, comfort actually means strength. The strength we receive, the comfort we receive, and the lessons that we learn will strengthen others. And we'll be able to pray for them in their struggles with the confidence that we have learned through our own struggles. Here's Paul again, verse 4. The God of all comfort, the God of all strength, comforts us in our afflictions so that we can comfort those in any affliction with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope in you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you will share in our comfort. And of course for Paul, Um, there was the added blessing of knowing that as those he prayed for and encouraged were comforted with the comfort that he had received, they themselves would become comforters, strengtheners for others in their turn. Like one pool into another into another, this comfort flows from Christ to us, to others, and from them further outwards. This is exactly what Jesus says to Peter. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, then strengthen your brothers. Well, some of the sweet juice that is extracted from us under pressure is more obvious. Living under pressure can teach us courage and persistence. It can grow in us compassion and humility. It can bless us with simplicity and with contentment. I have to say it was very painful for me to watch my father slowly lose his physical and mental capacities in the last year of his life. He himself, however, received in greater measure the blessing of contentment and simplicity as his life works were slowly stripped away from him, and he rested more and more in the kindness and the care of others, enjoying simpler present pleasures, above all, the delight of being in the company of people around him. And the same was true, uh, sorry, that delight touched those other lives as well. And the same was true for my mum. The compassion that she grew in during her care for dad, overflowed into the lives of all around her as she, on that uh, dreadful day of the funeral, sought to care for the carers who had cared for my father in their grief. So how do we pray when we're going through times of real struggle for others? I think there are two ways that we can pray. Firstly, we can pray in, in a, we can practice steadfastness. We can pray in steadfastness. Jesus knows what we are enduring. He knows why, and he knows for how long. Until the juice in us has become sweet with courage 
and compassion with humility and patience. By praying prayers of trust, we stop that juice going sour. If you feel that you're in the wine press, pray for steadfastness. Pray to come closer to Jesus in his suffering. Pray out prayers of trust in Jesus. Pray that he will work something good in you which you can share with others. Though you may not recognize what Jesus is doing in you, others will be able to taste the sweetness of it. And remember, above all, the best place to pray those prayers is when we come to the communion table. When we drink the symbolic juice of Jesus' suffering for us. We take into that, into ourselves, that grace, that love, that sweetness, and we allow it to turn our own suffering into sweetness for others. So, if you are in the wine press, pray to stay close to Jesus. Secondly, practice solidarity. Practice solidarity with other Christians who are under pressure. Your sharper sense of Jesus' sufferings and his presence with you in your sufferings will give you a stronger connection with others in their struggles. And that will help you to intercede for them, to feel for them and encourage them to fight for justice on their behalf. I find it very interesting that some of the most powerful peer support groups for people in situations of suffering often come from people who have themselves been in exactly the same situation of suffering. Their suffering has not turned inwards into sourness and bitterness, but has turned outwards into solidarity and care and support. Ask Jesus how to be his hands and mouth to let others know that they aren't forgotten, but that Jesus is very near to them. So, if you are in the wine press, pray that others will come closer to Jesus as well. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, it's very hard for us to thank you for the times of struggle in our life on behalf of others. What we do thank you for is that you're able to take that struggle and use it to strengthen and sweeten our lives. You, God the Father, who took the cross and turned it into resurrection, Teach us to wait for resurrection in the times of our crucifixion. Teach us to endure the winepress for the sake of the sweet juice which you will draw from us. Comforted and encouraged by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ poured out for us in the winepress of his suffering. And as we grow in grace and strength, in comfort, compassion and humility and patience, 
teach us to pray for each other, to care for each other, and to share the sweetness that you have distilled in our lives for them in their struggles. Lord, would you use us and our struggles over the years for the blessing of many and to bring glory to your precious name. For the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus, who in the winepress of Gethsemane and Golgotha poured out his love for us. For this we give you thanks. Amen.